Hi, we're Katie, Jessica, and Shannon, and this is Boy Problems Podcast, a community focused on supporting families navigating substance use disorder. We hope sharing our stories, introducing you to experts, and answering all the questions you have no one else to ask will help you better navigate your story. Through our partners' recoveries, we found each other and formed our own squad, one we know is so valuable to how we manage this disease in our relationships. So we started bringing a microphone to our hangouts to extend our conversations to others just like us. When you're here, you're not alone. If you're listening, you probably know we met at a family support group and our bonds have grown stronger through sharing our stories and supporting each other. When we think about the thing that's helped us most, it's that. So we'd like to extend that community to you. If you're feeling like no one understands what you're dealing with, or you're looking for a community of like-minded individuals, consider joining our virtual support group. For details, visit us at recovering2.com. We know what you're going through, and we're here to help. We're Recovering Too. Hello, and welcome to Boy Problems Podcast. I'm Shannon, and I'm here with a special co-host today, Jay. Hello, I'm also here. <laughs> yeah, say hi to everyone. <laughs> Hello, glad to be here. Yeah, the um, reason for this special co-host is that like thousands of other people, we've been watching Euphoria, which is a Thousands? <laughs> I don't know. How many would it be? Millions? <sighs> Hundreds of millions, maybe? I don't know the number, but thousands <laughs> is not even close. <laughs> okay. It's massive. A massive amount of people have been watching Euphoria, and we are among the masses watching it. Um, And if you don't know about Euphoria, it's a show on HBO, and Zendaya is the the main character, uh, the actress playing the main main character, whose name is Rue. And the show follows a group of teenagers, and there's all kinds of things being I don't know happening on the show but one of the main thing that we're talking about today is related to addiction because Rue is an addict on the show and that brings up just a lot of discussion on our end after each episode and it's something that we thought we would bring to our Boy Problems podcast audience because we think that people might relate. So, I don't know. What else do you want to say about the overview of this show? Um, I mean, that was pretty good. There's so many different storylines that when we were thinking about what to talk about, it made me um, think that I've been overplaying how much addiction is a part of it. Because I'm like thinking there's so many different storylines but the main character is an addict. And so if the show centers around her, then like addiction is almost like somewhat of a character um, because it kind of motivates her to do everything she's doing and it affects everyone around her. And so it's like, um, so there's so much going on, but addiction is definitely like a major part of the show. Yeah. Well, and especially because even though there are so many different storylines, like every character has their own storyline and even some episodes are told from different characters <laughs> perspectives but Rue narrates yeah. the thing and so what we're getting throughout the show is from Rue's perspective which sometimes she's high yeah so she's not always the most reliable narrator right but also there's people living their own double lives in other ways that don't involve drugs that's, I mean, that's probably a, a, a through line in, I don't know what, five or six of the main characters. You got someone who's trans, who basically is coming to terms with, um, you know, who she is and probably spent a good chunk of her life, um, you know, living a double life in a way. And then you've got a character dealing with sexuality and, um, and then a girl selling sex videos. So it's like, yeah. it's not just addiction, but there is a through line of people 
hiding lifestyles from each other. Yeah. Needless to say, because there is so much happening in the show, though, we're only going to focus in on the addiction part and the parts that I think the different stories related to that, that we can relate to, feelings it brings up, things that when we're watching the show, we're like, man, that was really well done, or that seems a little not true. I don't know. So um, I guess the best place to start. Um, one, we're recording this on Sunday, February 27th, and tonight is the season finale. Um, and so we are recording ahead of that uh, just to kind of go over everything that's happened in season two leading up to this point. And uh, you may have already seen, but we did start a Patreon account and you can support us over there and our supporters on May Patreon um, can get access to exclusive content. Um, and so we will be back with our season finale review and final thoughts um, on Euphoria um, over on Patreon after we watch that episode. Okay, so um, I guess, so they did a special episode even before season two which was with Rue and her sponsor, Ali. And it was right when Rue had relapsed, but I don't think anybody in her life really knew that she did. And it was on Christmas and she's in a diner with Ali. What, what did you think on, of that episode? Um, I thought, and I've talked to a lot of people in recovery and it was probably the best representation in a movie or a TV show that I've seen of like what recovery looks like, not the corny AA meetings in most movies and TV. Kind of get it wrong where it's, it's always a speaker meeting and the new guy is the first person to speak. You know, like a guy coming in off the street walks up to a podium and just starts telling his whole life story, which never happens ever. And so as an, as someone in recovery, you look at that and you go, man, maybe they could have gone to a couple meetings and just mm -hmm. scoped it out to get it more accurate. So you can tell from especially this episode that there's someone in recovery working on the show. Um, because there's, they're using um, not exactly like big book quotes or anything, but it's very like step oriented. And Ali, her sponsor, is calling her bullshit out. And it's just, it felt very authentic where it's two addicts in a diner, drinking coffee, talking about life. And one just happens to be sober longer than the other person. And he's dishing out whatever knowledge he can. And it was like, he's holding her accountable for the stuff she says. And I think uh, what you're saying earlier, we, she was high at the meeting and he was like, listen, you're high now. Like, I don't have time for this. You got to be honest with me. So that felt more authentic probably than any other recovery related thing that I've seen. And I've talked to other people in recovery about that and they seem to echo that same idea. Yeah. I think that episode kind of sets the tone for, for season two, um, because it leads into like in that diner, Rue is kind of trying to convince herself and also convince her sponsor that she's doing fine. Like she's relapsed, yes. she's there high and she's telling him all about like, yeah, I think I'm like really figuring it out. I found this like balance <laughs> and she's going on and on. You can tell like, I mean, she's an amazing actress, like that she is clearly high and Ollie like lets her go and go and go. And then he's just like, you're high right now and like yeah. calls her out and like let's not pretend this is what it is and um he talks about you know how important sobriety is to her and she kind of does like for how important sobriety is to her like overall well-being and her having a good life and she kind of like doesn't really want to hear it at that point where she was like well I mean yeah it's important but so are all of these things and I liked what he said about like yeah but sobriety is first like if you don't have that you don't have any of the other right. things and so he was trying to like get that point across um and I think from my perspective watching it 
I thought it did a good job of like just showing the kind of the like sadness and pain and like mm. despair that Rue was and she's in a very like hopeless place at that spot and at that point and she's like talking about I just don't even know if I can be clean like and I think I'm a terrible person and mm. she's telling them all these you know terrible things she did about yelling at her mom and threatening her mom and you know Ollie's like all the good news is, is you're sitting here with somebody who's been there and like you're not a ter- terrible person and we can all like you have to forgive yourself like that's part of the key to the change is like forgiving yourself because otherwise the shame just keeps driving you further and further into a, uh, into the addiction he from my memory it, he actually got he didn't did he reference steps in that or is it just kind of general philosophical kind of ideas i feel like he mentions um I don't, step-centered ideas but I yeah don't. i don't think like he wasn't saying like whoa this is when we get to step whatever and the only reference to step specifically came from rue when she brought up i just don't know about step two and the whole higher power thing oh, right, right. and so they specifically talked about step two and how like she's got to believe in something like something bigger than her. And yeah. he was like, so you mean to tell me you think there is nothing out in the world that's more powerful than real? I just remember uh, when I watched that going, well, there's actually someone in recovery is involved in this. There's no way someone from the outside would be able to write this. That's what, the whole time I was watching it. Well, and actually the the creator and the director of the show, he's in recovery himself. So, which I just like learned today. And then I thought, oh, that makes sense. Yeah. From my perspective on that episode, it was one of the, the less exciting uh, elements. Because the story, sometimes it feels like a thriller. How fast paced and dramatic and exaggerated and over the top and yeah, you know, lots going on. And there, there is that element of recovery or of, of active use where you're like zipping all around this, the city and you're trying to rip someone off to go pay someone off to, to do this. And, and, it, and it feels very exciting. And maybe you're super high and you're over the top anxious. And then, you know, just there is that element. But this episode felt really um, familiar to me because I spent so much time in recovery and actually trying to stay sober, working a program, but continuing to use. Mm -hmm. So I have spent several times in a coffee shop, high, looking at my sponsor, talking about recovery. And so there's all this like- Did your sponsor know you were high? He never called me out, but later on was like, you know, man, like, I knew something wasn't right, but so I, I, I never really got to the root of, of if he knew I was high at each time, but he said he could sense that something wasn't quite right, but um, he didn't directly call me out like Ollie did. But um, sitting across from someone who's taking time out of their day to help you stay sober, and you know you're kind of just jacking them around, but you have to come home with a story that you met with your sponsor to keep up the lie to you. Um, Because it's like, if I just didn't go, well, then I'm fabricating this whole story. Oh yeah, I went to this coffee shop and it's just like, maybe I went because I liked hanging out with the guy. Maybe I went to to keep up the lie. Maybe I went because I thought it would help. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Like, I know I've spent that I've spent time in that exact moment where I'm sitting across from a sponsor. And so it felt very like authentic and I I don't exactly know what was going through my mind or why I chose to go and actually um, talk to my sponsor. I could have just, it was like, cause I was on the cusp of, I wasn't willing to just go out into the wilderness and be high all the time. I wanted one foot in, one foot out, where I'm like, okay, I, I want to use 
sometimes at my convenience when I want to, but I don't want to go too far off the rails. So I got to keep up this life where it appears like I'm normal, but then I can go in my free time, get messed up. Mm. And so that was part of uh, the recovery, keeping recovery around. And I wanted to stay sober deep down. And so I felt like even if I am using, I should stick around for if I do get some lightning strike, I'm around recovery people or I'm in meetings. So I was like waiting for something to happen um, because deep down I wanted to stay sober and I knew using was not good, but uh, I didn't really know how to go all the way or, or I was already using, so I can't stop it on my own anyways. So there's like a lot of denial, but there it's a complex sort of feeling where you're like, okay, I know this is terrible. I know I'm wasting this guy's time. I know this is the worst thing ever, but I can't stop. And if I'm honest with everyone, I could die tomorrow because I'd be out in the street and it's just this like self-preservation sort of thing going on. Mm-hmm. It's hard to explain. Maybe. Gotcha. Yeah. I mean, so I feel like then I feel like they represented that well throughout the whole I mean in this oh, yeah. in that entire special episode was the two of them just sitting in the diner and like it was much slower paced than yes. any other episode um and a lot of like vulnerability and honesty mm-hmm. like Ali was sharing you know the terrible things that he's done and like look how far I've come like and showing Rue like you're not alone in this I think that's realistic from what I've like heard about in the program is like that part of it is is you have that sponsor to be like, yeah, you're not, you're not the only like person who thinks they're a piece of shit and it is possible to come back. That's one of the most fun parts of working steps is that there's always this ceremonial uh, sponsor telling you all the the bad stuff they've done. So you get to go, okay, interesting. Yeah. They, you know, they toss out, well, I did this just to make you feel more comfortable, you know, on a, you know, when you're doing a fifth step or something and you're, I did this, I did that. And you're feeling all shitty about yourself. It's in my experience, yeah. Uh, the, a sponsor will go, oh yeah, well, you know, I did this to make you feel more comfortable. But my old sponsor was telling me stories one time and I just was like, I cannot imagine, I can't imagine you doing that. It feels like a separate person doing that. Like I could not fathom my sponsor behaving like that. And he was like, yeah, man, that's the point of this is you get so far away from that behavior that you tell people that know you now and it seems like you're making it up. Like that's, that's the dream, honestly, is to, it's laughable that I used to behave like that. Hmm. Yeah. So that uh, special episode sort of ended with, you know, he takes her home and I think there's a sense of like hoping that Rue chooses to get clean, but also at that point, it's a little unsure if it's going to happen, Um, which then we see in the first couple episodes of this season, uh, she's basically back to using, although she's like hiding it from friends and family. And I think that those couple episodes are are interesting because they're focused on some of the other characters but Rue is kind of always in the peripheral and she's just a little bit out of it or you see her like ditching a friend to go hang out with her new friend that she does drugs with and it's like she thinks she's getting away with it and I feel like you know when we're watching those episodes we're like oh it's only a matter of time till it all starts like catching up with her um and then there's, there's like one, um, there's a scene that was like very interesting to me that stood out like from a family perspective when things are just maybe starting to unravel, she gets like home and it's her and her sister. She has a younger sister, Gia, and Gia has realized that like Rue's doing something, something is not right. It was cause she was dancing very goofy in the kitchen not knowing Gia was watching and it was obvious she was yes, being weird yes Rue was high yeah she was high well also I can't remember what are what's her drug of choice what was she high on at that point uh she was doing opiates opiates yeah okay so, opiates and Xanax I think something like that yeah 
And so then she's dancing in the kitchen and her, I think her sister like asked her like, are you high? Yeah, she said, are you high? And you can see Rue sort of like, oh shit. I'm busted. I'm busted. But she's not going to like give herself up that easily. I have a suitcase of drugs in my room right now. Yes, let's be honest. No, no. Yeah. Um, so it goes into this whole thing, like lying, manipulating, gaslighting situation that I think was very like real. Um, you know, she starts telling Gia like, oh my gosh, like get off my back. I'm just smoking a little bit of weed. Like it's for like my anxiety and depression. Like otherwise I want to kill myself. And then you see her younger sister feeling conflicted on well, I don't, I don't want her to kill herself, but I know she shouldn't be using drugs. Like, what do I do? And then and Rue is just like putting the guilt trip on her more yeah. and more. Yeah. It's like saying, uh, you have this information and you, you have to keep it to yourself or you could harm me. Oh, right. So, yeah. That so was it's the like, other part. Too. You better not tell mom because what happens if, you know, it'll freak her out. And then all of a sudden, now I can't smoke weed. Now my mental health, yada, yada. So it's like, yeah, you're putting all the, you're putting the responsibility of care on Gia saying you, you can't say anything. And the whole thing was a lie anyways, because she was using a bunch of hard drugs that could kill her anyways. Right. Well, and that's the, the other part. I don't know. Is it, is it gaslighting or maybe it's something, maybe the manipulation, but I think a lot of times the addict is much more like well-versed in drugs and things. And so it's hard, like Gia couldn't identify like, oh no, you, this is different. Oh, than, your pupils look small. That means you're on opiates. Yeah, yeah like yeah, she, yeah. all she could do is like take Rue's word, like, oh, okay, it's weed. Yeah, like weed's not so bad. And like Rue's using like all this knowledge that she has and also knowing like that her sister doesn't real, realize things to kind of, manipulate the story and play into it and I, I feel like that is something that happens a lot and like also leads into like when the family members and people feel kind of crazy where they're like I don't think this makes sense but what they're saying like it adds up but is that true I don't know and you don't have a way to like pinpoint it so that that whole scene just felt very like familiar oh yeah to me oh yeah we talked about that one yeah. When, we, when we watched that, we were both like, man, that had some that had some juice there. So alcohol and marijuana, the quote unquote soft drugs, are are good for kind of like cover up. Yeah, because it's like you um and I grew up in a in a family where we didn't have alcohol in the house. I was the only one that really got intoxicated in any way. So they had no idea what I was doing. So if I go on some crazy week-long bend bender where I was doing all kinds of drugs, you know, you come home smelling like booze, well, like that's as far as their mind goes. They don't think, oh, Jay's been shooting heroin for a week straight. And, you know, so I like to drink too, but it was always, it was always implied, oh, Jay drinks too much. <laughs> yeah, he probably does some other stuff too. And but and I use that, you know, whether and it's to me it's not a it's not a conscious, it's a preservation, it's a self-preservation thing. It's I'm not gonna stop using. And I'm gonna keep, I'm gonna do and say whatever I gotta do to keep to keep using. And I want to continue to live where I'm at. Mm-hmm. And those things have to happen. And I'll figure out the rest later, basically. It's a a day-to-day thing. So it's not like you're sitting here actively going, how can I lie and screw with this person's head, even though that's that's what happens. It's like, I need to stay using, and I need a place to stay, and I need these people to be on my side. Yeah. So alcohol, and and, I mean, even when we were living elsewhere, when I I was using... um, and you didn't know. I mean, how many times did you come home? And I'm sitting on the, the couch, just like slumped over. Mm-hmm. And you're like, 
oh, Jay's drunk, but I'm just sitting there nodding out into my own lap. Oh, yeah. That, I mean, how many times did that happen? I mean, so that was the time bef- we're going like way back before I even knew that yes. drugs were in the picture. Yeah. Yeah. And so it would be like, oh, he's drunk and yeah because we would get in arguments about how much you were drinking then sometimes or be like oh like you know you can't even like stay awake during a show and i did not realize that it was something else well in that case like i just let your naivete run run its course and so you come home and i'm sitting there on the couch slumped over you're gonna go this dude how much did he drink Mm -hmm. and i didn't really have to lie I'm just like, oh, you know, and then, you know, don't tell me how much to drink when I probably had one beer or something, you know, just, I just didn't say anything else. Yeah, yeah, that felt very Well, that kind of relates to, I mean, the other part that's been shared of um, telling, like, a truth that seems like you're telling on yourself in order to hide the actual truth. And, like, that came out, too, with Rue being like, okay, fine, I'll admit to, like, I'm smoking weed because that I have a chance of recovering from that more than if I would be like, oh yeah, I'm back into pills and now heroin and everything. Um, and so I, that stood out to me as well. Yeah. It's like this, um, the, it's the soft truth. Um, and it's all, it's all just self-preservation. It's I'm, I'm busted. This person knows I'm high. And then in a split second, you react with your instincts are, I need to keep using, I need this person to be on my side, and I need a place to stay. To me, those are the top three. And and it like, without even thinking, you try to come up with the best thing to make all those things happen. Yeah. So at that point, we know like, okay, Ruth's pretty much full into her active addiction. It's getting worse. Um, you mentioned the suitcase of drugs. Oh, yeah. That was another signal to us. So like, this is going downhill. So she, which this part felt a little like more TV than probably real realistic. She somehow convinced like the the top drug dealer person to give her like ten thousand dollars worth of drugs. Yeah, and I remember. So she's in in active addiction going off the rails and she comes up with this great idea. I need more drugs. I don't have any money. I know I'll just get a lot of drugs and anyone who's ever been in active addiction will tell you that that idea pops up a lot. I know the solution to my problems. I'll get a whole bunch of drugs. Yeah. She thinks, oh, I've come up with this great plan on how I can get all these drugs and I can sell them. And then I'll be able to like fund my own drug use. But like that doesn't work out. Also, do you think that she would have been able to get those drugs from like, I mean, how would you explain like the hierarchy of who we're talking about as the dealer? Well, the, the person she got the drugs from, that felt a little, although I don't know if it's something we want to get into, but I heard a theory on that too. Yeah, let's not get into the theory. Okay. <laughs> on why that she was given almost like a setup for human trafficking. So let me get you in debt to me. That way I own you. Yeah. Okay. So that's a theory that makes more sense than a drug dealer tossing an addict 10 grand worth of drugs. But still... The fact that she met the lady that she even had access to yeah, the that lady. she just waltzed into an apartment that she met the lady one time and they just kicked her 10 grand does not make sense. But if you add in the, the human trafficking theory. Well, and it, it like is moving, kind of has to move the show for sure forward. So yeah, and there are a lot of those moments, but man, I remember uh, not to get too specific, but but owing someone a lot of money but also using a lot of heroin and I'm going, you know, I'm not giving him enough money because I'm using. And then it's like this thing where I'm always like giving him half. And, and then um, at one point I was like, well, just give me double. So like my solution was give me a lot and that way I can 
And then I still gave him half of that. I could never, you know, you're, you're just like running on this treadmill where the only solution is more. Like, I'm like, I can't do less. Like, but whatever you gave me, I spent it all on drugs. Yeah. Well, and as you're doing more, like that becomes the new baseline more and more and more. It's like, yeah, you can't win. You're just right. digging yourself. So that felt that very way. familiar too. And I, you know, definitely have experience with that feeling of, you know, you're going to pick up, you know, a dangerous amount of drugs and you're going, there's no way this is going to work out well, but I don't have any other ideas mm-hmm. and I cannot go backwards. I need to use. Yeah. Just, just like deep down. So when Rue picked up that suitcase, I was, I was going, what are you doing? Do not get that suitcase. It will not go well. Like I was yelling at the TV. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we both knew at that point, we're like, well, this is not going to go well. Um, and it didn't, um, I think so fast forward the episode, well, I was going to say scene, but then I realized it's like basically an entire episode that stands out to me the most. Rue wakes up, um, she's in her house, wakes up, realizes her drugs are gone. And how would we, how would you describe it? (laughs) What episode? Like her reaction. It's like, panic desperation it's like she has like left herself it's like like an animal almost yeah i would say animalistic just acting on instinct which is i'm gonna start feeling like shit pretty soon and also i owe all those drugs to a person who's dangerous so you got the added element of you know i can't just go get that back so i'm in danger for the drugs that aren't here and also i'm gonna start feeling really bad and so yeah the the psychosis of like knowing you're about to start feeling really bad and someone has that those drugs and she started going ape uh so question i'm gonna pause you there you said the psychosis of knowing you're gonna start feeling bad what is the sometimes like the fear of withdrawing or like anticipating how bad you're going to feel like is that could that be worse than the actual withdrawal or is because mm. it was just interesting when you're saying the psychosis because I think sometimes people are like well why why can't people just stop but there's that like need of oh my god it, this is gonna be awful and I can't let that happen which will drive you to do like anything to make sure that doesn't happen i would say it's more part of the withdrawals okay so you know you're say you have drugs you're secure everything is okay anything can happen at least i won't have to worry about that okay you turn around there's a hole in your pocket it is your the blood will leave your entire body and you'll go into a panic because you're like i now have to deal this takes uh precedent over everything so it's like i can't do anything without this so i must get this first before i do anything else so it's like it's just it's like panic and anxiety and like I have to go get it. Whatever. Where do I have money? You're like back into that cycle of the like chasing. Okay. How am I going to get him? How am I paying for it? When will I have like, yeah. And especially in her case, she has no money. And so she wakes up, all the drugs are gone. And you're like, that's like a month worth of drugs. What am I going to do that? You know? And and it's like, so you're not necessarily in that moment. In my experience, you're not going oh no, I'm going to feel withdrawals. It's, it's deeper than that. It's, it's like, uh, you know, feeling an emotional bond to just feeling safe and safe and comforting. Mm. So you're like, I need this thing. So it's not really like an avoidance of physical pain that withdrawals give. It's like more mental. 
Oh yeah, yeah. Because I mean, withdrawal withdrawals are just like part of addiction. So they're not fun, and going through them is terrible. Um, but I think that that feeling that we're trying to verbalize, which is kind of tough, is just like a loss of of knowing I'm not going to be okay. Yeah. So you're like, this thing yeah. makes me feel okay, and I don't have it anymore, and I will do anything to get it. So she starts flipping out, yeah. smashing, smashing doors she down. busts out of her room, like, find, her mom is, like, standing in the kitchen or somewhere, and she's immediately, like, in her face, like, yelling, like, where are they? Get me in. And her mom's, like, not saying anything for a while. And Okay, back, back to why back to the emotional bond an addict has with drugs is they kind of infuse something into this show which is rue got used to doing opiates when her dad was dying of cancer Mm -hmm. so there was these like loving sweet scenes where she's laying down with her dad as he's going through chemo and she'd start popping his pills and so that's something that the Sam Levingson, the, the director, talked about too, where um, the this doesn't go for every addict, but the um, the sense of trauma and drug abuse is like sort of infused. And so if you think about her ripping her house to shreds, looking for the drugs, she's like trying to avoid some sort of pain also. So like the trauma of like, this made me feel better you know, it helped me deal with trauma of my dad, unresolved trauma of my dad dying. And, and then you're, you've got all this emotional connection with, with the drug. Um, so it's like, I'm going to feel really bad if I don't have this. Yeah. Yeah. So that's an element that I kind of forgot about where her dad, her dad is, and Sam Levingston even said something in an interview where he was like, he created a, like another world in between life and death that Rue could go to and she got really high where she could reconnect with her dad. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was kind of interesting because a lot of people in addiction are dealing with some deep trauma. I don't necessarily think I am. And you don't have, I don't think uh, trauma and addiction is uh, synonymous or, or have to be, but I think a lot of times they are. So, yeah. So the, um, anyway, the rage part in that scene, that went on for a long time. Yeah, it was, it was like 10 or 15 minutes, yeah. It was brutal to watch because I remember like laying on the couch with the blanket on me and just being like, oh my God, because her mom is like, you can see the pain in her mom's face, like crying. And then, you know, they keep flashing to, to Gia who is crying and scared and it's just, I don't know, hip raw. It was like almost like PTSD feeling. And I feel like like Rue, the way that she was acting brought flashes back of like when you like ran from the house and like took the car. Like I like I feel like the best way I could describe that moment, like when you're like in the car and I'm like run out after you grab the window I'm like don't go and you just like look at me and take off like it was not even you like you looked possessed and I feel like that's how Rue looked in that whole thing like where you're just like this is not the person I know and just like the desperation and yeah so that brought up a lot of oh sure yeah I watched that episode twice I'd say the second one oh, was yeah. worse. I watched it. I watched it because you were out of town or something. And I couldn't. Oh, back. right. And then when you got back, you watched it with me. I was like, I, I mean, I'll watch it again. It was almost worse the second time. It, it was a very, it was a lot of intense emotion. And then the episode, not to get away from our story relating to the PTSD, but it just like ramped up from there. Yeah. Because she smashes the house where's my drugs where's my drugs and they ended up flushing the drugs down the toilet which i thought your response to that was where you were like oh why would they do that what, well, and i was like why wouldn't they no do i'm that? saying if you so say you go into my room and you find 
10 grand worth of heroin, you well, might one. you might think, hey, someone's gonna need the money for this and they might be dangerous. That okay, was my thought. First, a quote unquote normal person would have no clue how much that is worth. Like, I don't know. A suitcase full of drugs. I call bullshit on that. You go, your daughter has no money and she has 10 grand worth of drugs. And you go, let's just throw it out the window. No, but that's what I'm saying. They don't know it's 10 grand of, worth of drugs. Like before we ever talked about things, I did not know even know how much it would cost to get okay. like. Maybe I'm things. underestimating. Yeah, I think you're underestimating the like knowledge that people have of the street value of drugs and all of that. But we can uh, split that 50-50 because a suitcase full of drugs. I mean, that's, me it's a, a lot, but I can relate to being in the mom's position where you're like, I have to get rid of this. Like, I can't have it in here. Like, I mean, she's operating from to be, a place. So. To, be, to be fair, my mindset wasn't, oh, all the drugs are gone now. I no, was, you were talking about from the, like, I was saying, point. you're trying to help your daughter. And in the process, you're putting a dangerous drug dealer wanting to kill her or a trafficker. So it's like, in my mind, I'm going, you're putting her in more danger, honestly. You should at least be able to give the drugs back to the dealer or something. You know, that's sort of what I was, it was what I was saying. But Yeah. But again, in her defense, when she's probably not thinking about where they came from or like all, all of that, it's just the, the same similar urge of what we're talking about of like trying to protect and just like reacting like yeah. oh my gosh i've found this i have to get rid of it that's what happened and then the rest <laughs> ensued um but as you said that it just kept ramping up up and up and so her mom talked her into going to her mom said let's go to the hospital yeah she and finally really like i think well, one, I think Rue, like, exhausted. She herself. had no idea. Like, it she got to she a was point screwed, where yeah. it was, like, she was physically and mentally, like, exhausted and just, like, broke down in the hallway crying. And her mom is, like, comforting her and is, like, I, I want you to be better and healthy. And Rue's, like, I don't want to be like this. And so her mom's, like, just let me take you to the hospital. And Rue. They got her in the car and then she got a second wind. They got her in the car while well, and she's like looking out the window and like this was another area relating to so Rue's mom is in the front seat with her sister in the passenger yeah. seat and Rue's in the back and you can see both of them. Her mom keeps like checking the rear view mirror like looking back at Rue and Gia keeps glancing back. You can tell they're both just nervous on like are we going to get her there? Okay, we just have to get her there and like that will be the thing and like Rue sort of spacing out the window and then something comes up about like rehab is mentioned and Rue was like I thought we were going to the hospital like a detox like a I thought we were just detox. going to detox and and then it changed and then you see the panic set into Rue again and she gets her second wind of like I can't go to rehab I can't get clean because she's still at a point where she's like I don't think it's possible for me to right, get clean right. I don't know if I want to get clean I was willing to just go for like a couple day detox thing but then the reality of like oh I have to live my life without drugs and then that's why the she started thinking like in the future like going oh I can't live my entire life like this and they're like we're trying to save your life today and then she starts projecting the future of what she's what's possible in the next five years and and which is detrimental at that point because it's like you're yeah it's so overwhelming yeah like, to say how can I live the rest of my life sober and no we just need to get you to the hospital the whole time I'm going you better hit those child locks because she's about to I know the whole time the I'm sitting there like clutching the blanket thinking oh god she's jumping out of the car she's going to jump out of the car I know it and I'm like picturing you trying to jump out of the car Oh, yeah, because I did. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Only we were on the highway. We were on it the highway. Works. And so it that was another moment that was coming back. Um, Have you ever talked about that on the show? I, I think probably okay. at some point. But so almost the exact same scenario. You're going, you're driving me to a rehab facility and yeah. you lied and told me you're going to drop me off at my drug dealer's house. 
I hold on. I said that we would swing by. So we <laughs> <laughs> can laugh now. Oh but. my god, not funny at the time. Um, so about a week prior to this moment was when everything sort of crumbled. You came clean that you were using, and then this led to like a five to six day period before you could get in, get your appointment at the treatment place. So you'd been going like withdrawing, trying, just like kind of struggling to get to this point by yourself. And then the day that we're supposed to be going to, to the appointment, I got home. I'm on the phone with my friend saying something like one of my friends who knew telling me we're going to leave. And I hear the door open and I just was like, oh shit, I have to go. And I go out from the bedroom to the living room, which mine, this apartment was like 400 square feet and you were just gone. And it was like, we were supposed to be leaving for the appointment and you had just like taken off in search of like, oh, the last high before I go. And I am like trying to call you. You're not answering. Was I on foot? Yeah, you were on foot at this point. What was I doing? I don't know. I finally, you finally answer. I'm like, I remember I'm like walking, pacing in front of the, the apartment. I just trying to figure it out. You finally answer. And I'm like, Jay, where are you? You're supposed to be leaving. And you're like, I just have to get drugs before I go in. I can't go in. Hi, like. And I can't go in withdrawing. And I'm like, well, where are you? Like, we have to go. And you were, had no clue really where you were. I'm like, okay, tell me like landmarks. What are you looking at? I'm like, I'll come pick you up. And you kept saying, no, you can't come pick me up because you're not going to take me. Oh, I know. I was trying to walk you were trying to my guy's to house walk. on the other side of town. So, yes. And so... I remember you just said, I'm at Pine Street because Pine is now like, that always is in my mind. It's coming back to me. And I was like, and I'm thinking like, where the fuck is Pine Street? I don't know where this is. I'm like, what do you see? And you're like telling me a landmark. And I'm like, okay, don't move. I'm coming to get you. I, we will stop at your dealer's house on the way before. Lies. Uh, Dirty lies. (laughs) Okay. You know, I don't think that there's any room to say that uh, I'm know, the being the dirty that's, one. That's the here. joke, Shannon. This is the like the the same thing that like like what Leslie Rue's mom just like the desperation of I'm gonna say anything to get this person in yeah. the car because I feel like their best chance at surviving is getting to this place. Sure. So got you in the car. And I'm pretending like I'm going along with your directions until we get to the direction where you're telling me to get off the highway. I don't know why I want to laugh at this because this is not funny at all. Uh, probably because it's like a coping mechanism. Yeah, everything like, everything sad is funny to me, but yeah. And so I made sure to be in the far left lane. I'm going. Get off you're the in the wrong lane, bitch. Get over. Yeah, you were screaming and panicking, and then I'm screaming like I can't get over and. Like you literally had your hand on the door and I'm like thinking he is going to jump out of this car on the highway going like, you know, I'm going as fast as I can to try and get us there. And then it was like, then it just got to a point where it was like, I don't know. I felt like I went crazy. I did open the door though. I was trying to scare you into doing what I wanted. I wasn't about to jump out, but. Yeah, and I did not give into it. I just started like crying, was like, I don't know, I can't even function. Like, I don't care. I'm not getting, I'm not stopping this car until we're in the parking lot. And then once we're there, you can do whatever you want. But like, like now I'm concerned for my own safety. Yeah, and I was like, and just pull we, over then. And then we both just like broke down, like sobbing, like in the car. I remember, like, you're, you're looking like you don't remember. I don't remember the sobbing part. I remember yelling. I remember getting to Fairbanks and being and refusing to go in, though. Yeah, no, we were both fine because like, I point, believe you, like you were like exhausted and defeated, and then we got there and you did go in. So all of that to say that entire sequence in the episode in the car ride I had a similar feel, and then Rue literally did. 
they were stopped at a light and I'm thinking, oh my God, no, 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 no. And she jumps out of the car and runs and you just see like her mom and sister like looking devastated and helpless and yeah, what do we do? Yeah, so then she takes off on some mission to to get better or to figure out a solution to her. Wait, to get better, you mean to like get her withdrawals better? Yeah, that's a, she... a drug term. Okay, <laughs> Clara, clarifying for all the the Sorry, listeners drug who are term. from primarily not the get ones. well, get yeah. better. Yeah, she yeah, was yeah, trying get... to because I mean she was withdrawn bad. Oh yeah, 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 point. she was bad. And then she's running, and it turns into this sort of like thriller kind of. The rest of the show is basically her on the run, going to any lengths to get drugs. Yeah. And she's running from the cops and running from dogs and breaking into houses. And I think that whole thing was to just show the like, yeah, level of desperation Mm -hmm. and like, willing to go to any length to try and yeah it was a good uh it was a good dramatic cinematic representation of and i'm sure there's people in reality that have done those things yeah probably not far off if you if you ask the right people you know but it it was it was and the music was like crazy like the whole time it did not let up it was pretty much like 45 minutes of non-stop high energy yeah and then the worst thing well so one she tries going to her d- drug dealer fezes who is like a friend of her and has taken care of her before but even like this is how you bad you know like this is how you know she's really bad because even fez is like get out of this house yeah and kicks her out and I thought I remember thinking like, oh, maybe sometimes like us loved ones need to take a page out of like Fez's book or or even just like people who've been there, like addicts and things, sometimes I think are a little bit more like I don't know, tough love or like well, not gonna take the bullshit as much that as a uh, loved no, ones will. This is not a a brag of any kind, but I I had this drug dealer this last run several years ago and I was like making a lot of money and I was just on a tear. I mean, I would like all day, every day. And he, uh, there was one time I called him like four times in an hour or something where I would get it, use it. And it was like, again, man, like, come on, dude. Like, he was kind of like, what are you doing with your life? And I was wearing this, like, chef's outfit, and he's just like, what the hell are you doing? And then, so when he, we, of course, he still gave me the drugs, but we met up, and he goes, man, I'm telling you, I have a hundred customers, and you, you go hard. Mm, And I remember looking at him like, wow, that's probably not good. That I go hard in his crew of drug people. I might be one of the worst. That's not yeah, good. Probably not good. Who knows what kind of people is on that list? And I'm at that moment, I was not good. But so yeah, being thrown out of a, a drug house would have to be pretty low. Yeah. Um, and then that drove her too, which I don't. We don't necessarily. We don't have a lot time to really talk about this too much but she ends up at the the drug dealer where she gets the suitcase and that's where we learn that this there's a whole like sef, sex trafficking yes arrangement there and it's kind of shocking at first at how like nurturing this drug dealer yeah. Lori is being to rue and like being so understanding i'm like oh okay you don't have the money yet oh you need something and then we realize why she's doing that but like this there's, the there's part. locks on the outside of doors yeah yeah well and this is the part though that i hated the most about the episode um is you know because rue just keeps asking her like is do you have anything i can have and Lori's telling her oh no i don't have anything besides like i think it was morphine yeah she said i have morphine but you don't fix 
saying you don't use a syringe. Yeah. And so she was saying, sorry, it's all I got. And sure, you're, you're going, like, you're come on. Sure. And then she reaches into the suitcase, it's filled with drugs, and pulls out the IV uh, morphine bottle. Yeah. And so you're going, all right, she's trying to set her up, take her to the next level as a, a needle yeah. user. And she does yeah. do that. And it's, in my opinion, very graphic on like showing. Yeah, it was one of those. It was one of those close I did the whole time where I'm like covering my eyes and going back and forth between like me feeling cringy and then also being like, what's this making Jay feel like? Like, is this making him feel bad? Is this like making him feel like, oh man, like I remember that? Like, so there's a lot of like inner dialogue going on in my head wondering about you mm-hmm. and i don't i guess i'm curious like what your you brought it up yeah I'm, I'm, in the moment and i don't remember what my response is and i don't even know like being completely honest there's a because so much of the the addiction process is memories you're when you inject a drug that releases all of your feel good drugs in your brain your your memory your mind makes a a heavy memory of that yeah and tends to forget all the bullshit that comes with it which is why whenever something pops up you want to repeat the memory and so you're it lasts i mean i don't think it really goes away right that that rush of leaving all of your feel good drugs dumping the whole thing so like when you see someone do that, there's like a visceral feeling of like, I remember what that was like, but what's, um, and it wasn't like, it, like watching, there's a Pulp Fiction, Requiem for a Dream. There's like famous needle scenes that people talk about, you know, in recovery, like, oh, I can't watch Pulp Fiction anymore. I never felt like that. Like, I never felt like it was something I couldn't do anymore. Yeah. I'm just like, listen, if I'm going to have a visceral response every time I see a syringe, I'm not just going to avoid syringes. Like, I don't think that's the, that's the move. So what, what is the move then to like deal with that response? Well, it's just like triggers anyways. Um, they're very, I, to me, this is, don't take my advice. This is just my opinion on how I feel about things. Triggers are one of the things rehabs talk about nonstop. The whole time you're in there because the people walking out of there are going to need that information. But as you go on in recovery, it becomes less and less important. Yeah. So, so it's like triggers. I can't remember the last time I thought, oh, that's a trigger. You know, like you just go on with your life and you are in recovery and, and hopefully you're talking with people in recovery if something pops up. So having somewhat of a support system of other addicts, I would rather go through the experience and talk with it, talk about it with someone than just avoid it. That seems more valuable to go, oh, there's a needle in this movie. I can't watch it. I'd rather feel it and go, huh. Yeah. If I, if I do have some flashback memories and it makes me want to use, well, I have an avenue for that. Yeah. I didn't though. So I kind of, I don't remember feeling good or bad. I felt more bad for the the character. Yeah, I felt bad for the character. I also, I think, why, like for me, why I don't like seeing those scenes is like it makes it, it gives me a visual, like for you. Like it's, I've never seen you use, I don't know what that looks like, but then watching it, it's like, I replaced Rue with you and like that's kind of disturbing and makes me feel yeah I could see that like it makes me feel sad and it makes me feel kind of gross and all of those things so sometimes I feel like watching those scenes is like more shocking and like more difficult for me to the physical representation than it is for okay. like you almost because yeah when you're doing it it's like brushing your teeth so yeah. it becomes very like routine and 
you probably, depending on what you're doing, you probably do that more than you do anything else in your day. Yeah. So it becomes like you use, you tie your shoe, you brush your teeth. You, like it does, it's, is not really that big of a deal. So I'm not really thinking of the physical representation of it. I'm thinking of like the memories of how it made me feel. And you're, you're more shocked by the, the whole yeah. process. Yeah. Which wasn't really like affecting me because yeah, yeah, you've never seen that. So that was heavy. That was a very heavy episode. Good news is, is Rue. She got out without that. being sex trafficked. Hell yeah. Yeah, she got out. Thank God. And um, ma'am, now we're definitely running out of time. But um, so she makes it back home and she goes through withdrawals at home. And um, they didn't really talk about her a lot on the last episode yeah i think so... we needed kind of a break from her yeah, after yeah. the episodes that had just happened and they had a lot of other storylines to, to yeah. add to so so we just we saw rue like going through withdrawals and we were kind of seeing the dynamic of her her family and her sister being skeptical on like oh is she really going to be clean this time or not like i don't know um which i thought was real and then the way the episode ended um, was an interesting conversation between Rue and her mom. Like they're like laying in bed and her mom's like, you know, rubbing her arm and it's just like, well, Rue, you've like beat me down. And if you want to use drugs, I'm not going to stop you anymore. Like I, I can't keep you from killing yourself anymore. It's like, kind of like this defeated point and then she brings up like you know I've been putting so much energy into you like that I'm neglecting Gia and now Gia is starting to like act out in school and she's like not sleeping and she's having all of these issues and if she said if I had to choose between losing you or losing both of you like I'm not losing both of you like anymore. And, and Rue's like, that's fair. I thought that was a very like heartbreaking conversation. Um, and I feel like some people might watch it and feel like, damn, that's harsh. Or like, why is she saying that? But I don't know. I, I guess I, I got why she was saying it. I kind of chuckled because I was like, damn, I can't believe they said it like that. And I think uh, a key thing to remember is like Leslie Rue's mom is saying like, if you're not trying to get better and you don't want to get better, like that was, it wasn't like I'm choosing your sister over you. It's like, I am not putting my, I'm not putting my energy into you if you don't even want to. Like I have realized I can't make you want to get better. You have to get better. And if you're choosing not to get better, then like I need to take care of your sister now. I had uh, conversations with my my mom that went similarly, but it was not in the moment. After the fact. So it was it was like years later when I don't even think I was sober, but it was like I had quit shooting heroin or something. And my mom had said stuff like, Oh yeah, I just had to come to terms with the fact that you were gonna die. And yeah. so she was like, there was a time I was on house arrest. I was living in their basement and I, I was using and she was like, I can't, I can't kick him out. He's on house arrest. He'll just go to jail. And like, she had all, you know, had to work through her own stuff. But um, I'm like, how can you learn how to deal with something like that? Yeah. So it was, it was kind of like, I remember uh, she said, I just had to come to, gr- come to terms with that as like, almost like a likely possibility that I would go downstairs and be like, Hey, and you would just be dead. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what made, that's what that scene made me think of is I feel like everybody has to come to terms. Like you come to terms with or you're trying to come to terms or, you know, it's a possibility of like this, it might not be the outcome that I want. And I think, you know, early on or, for a while it might you know longer for some people than others you're trying so hard to like hold on and control and make it happen so that they get clean and i feel like everybody hits some point where it's like i'm out if fine you finally realize you're like shit 
it doesn't matter how hard I'm working to try and get them clean. Like if they don't want to, they're not going to. Um, and I feel yes. like that's what that scene was representing was like Rue's mom being like first step. Yeah, I, yeah. I <laughs> She's like, doing her own I'm powerless. I was focusing a little bit too much on the the sister sister thing because I hadn't really thought about it too much. But yeah. yeah, that is a very good point. Yeah. So yeah, and that ended, and now uh, no, we we're going watch. into the finale. So we will yeah. see what happens. See, see if, what happens. See there. if Ruth stays sober and. It's a long road even if she does but yeah. you know so we will um come back uh and share that on patreon so join us over there to get the rest of the euphoria story all right thanks for listening and keep coming back thanks for spending time with us we hope this story has helped you better navigate yours Don't forget to subscribe so we can meet you here next time. If you enjoyed this episode, spread the love by rating or reviewing. Need more support? Join our online community by visiting us at boyproblemspod.com. Whatever you do, keep coming back. We're not licensed professionals. We're here to share our lived experience. So take what resonates and leave what doesn't.